All right, well, if you have a Bible, please turn with me to 1 Peter chapter 4. We're going to look at 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 10 and 11 this morning as we uh, start a new but also an old sermon series. We did the first part of uh, a look at the generosity of God and the freedom to live generously in the fall. And now we're going to do another five weeks together uh, right now this spring. Uh, I want to thank Rob Rogers for leading worship, uh, leading the worship team this morning. He is here because Jack and Jamie had their baby last night. So um, I, uh, I was going to show you a picture on my iPhone, but I didn't know how, you know, I didn't want everybody to run up and look at it all at once. But uh, healthy baby, 10, 10 pounds. Um, so you can pat Jamie on the back. Um, and, uh, but you can be praying for them. And I, get to, I think we get to go see that little guy. Uh, his name is Carner Jacob. And um, what an amazing gift. So. All right, we're going to take a look at 1 Peter 4, 10 and 11. It is on page 1296. If you're using one of the Bibles that we have underneath the chair in front of you, uh, if uh, kids, the word we're going to have for the day for you is the word gift. And let's now hear God's holy, true, and life-giving word. 1 Peter chapter 4, starting in verse 10. As each has received a gift... Use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Whoever speaks as one who speaks oracles of God. Whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies. In order that in everything, God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. This is the word of the Lord. Will you pray with me? Father, we give you praise and thanks for your amazing and unending gifts to us. Your generosity is always mind-blowing. And it's always coming. And you are so gracious and generous to us. Would you help us to see how special and beautiful it is that you've generously given us your word, uh, which has power to change our lives through helping us understand and know you better, and as well as to equip us to take the wonderful news of the gospel to our neighbors and to the nations. And so we pray now, Lord, would you use this time to work in us and that you also might work through us. And we thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. In 1867, Swedish chemist Alfred Nobel invented dynamite, which is an explosive. I'm sure you've probably seen, uh, at least in the movies. And uh, he, he got incredibly wealthy from dynamite sales. And then, at the end of the 19th century, <clears throat> Alfred Nobel's brother died. And Alfred went to look into the newspaper to read his brother's obituary and found out that the newspapers had actually made a little mistake. And they'd printed Alfred's obituary instead, as if he had died. And so he read in the newspaper that morning, it said, Alfred Nobel, the inventor of dynamite, who died yesterday, devised a way for more people to be killed in a war than ever before. He died a very rich man. Now, if that was you, you could imagine that in that moment, I mean, his, I'm sure his jaw dropped and he just 
flipped at thinking that's how I would be remembered. And so, number one, he I'm imagining he got a hold of the newspapers and said that they'd made an eensy-weensy mistake and it wasn't him who died. But the other thing that we know he did for sure is he decided he wanted to be known for something other than developing a means to kill people efficiently and make a ton of money from it. And so he initiated what we know as the Nobel Prize or the Nobel Peace Prize. And that's an award that's given out to scientists or writers or leaders, world leaders that are doing things that promote peace. And so now when we think of the name Nobel, what do we think of? We think of things having to do with peace. So at at one point near the end of his life, this is what he said. He said, every man ought to have the chance to correct his epitaph in midstream and write a new one. And, you know, you know, the vast, vast majority of us, majority of us would never get that opportunity. But if you think about that, what is it in his heart that that when he saw that he longed for uh, to be known for something different, something better? I think what we see there is that we long to be significant or to do something significant. It's part of our wiring as a human being. We want to know that we matter, right? And we're going to take another look now for the next five weeks at the generosity of God and the freedom to live generously. We talked about this for about five weeks in the fall, and we primarily were talking about how looking, how, looking at how generous God is to us sets us free to live generously with our, our money or our finances or maybe our treasure, we could say. And now for the next five weeks, we're going to talk about how understanding how generous God is liberates us to be generous with our time and with our talents. And what's so sweet about that is that's where we find this wonderful gift of God that he's given to us, these things that we can do that are, that are of incredible significance. Things that, that make what we do matter eternally and more than we could possibly imagine on this side of the new heavens and new earth. So. Uh, We're going to be focusing on our spiritual gifts. We'll talk a lot about uh, our gifts in the next five weeks and how it is through living out our role in the church, operating in and through our spiritual gifts that that we get to receive from God this incredible significance in the things that we do. And this morning, as well as really the whole time, we'll really be focused on the fact that because Christ gave his life to serve us, we've been set free to give our time and talents to serve others or to minister to others. And we're going to do that this morning by talking about three things having to do with our gifts. So we'll talk first about gifts and grace, and then we'll talk about gifts and ministry, and finally gifts and glory. So if you're making an outline Gifts and grace, gifts and ministry, and then gifts and glory. So let's uh, keep our Bibles open. We're going to uh, be, you know, looking at some other passages, but um, sort of uh, rooting ourselves in First Peter four ten and eleven here. So let's talk about gifts and grace. Look at verse ten with me again. Gifts and grace. Peter says, "As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace." What is he saying there? He's saying something that's really profound if, we'll, if we think about it. Basically, he's saying that God has generously given each of us, every single person who is a believer, he's given each of us a way to administer his grace to others. Now think about that for a second. Here's what he's saying. Again, God has given every single believer a way to administer God's grace, his amazing and abundant grace 
two others, two people who are in desperate need of his grace. And if you if you think about this, it actually can totally reformat your understanding of what it means to serve. Because instead of seeing serving as something I got to do to be a good Christian, we get rid of that and we realize, no, when I'm serving, I am administering God's grace to people in this world that are in desperate need of it, just like us. See, he talks about being stewards, right? Stewards of God's varied grace. And that word steward is very interesting because it's the combination of two Greek words, one that means house and one that means law. And it was a title that was given to a particular person in that time and in that culture. And basically that would be the person to whom a, a, a head of household or the proprietor of an estate, uh, who the person that he would entrust to manage his affair, to deal with his receipts or his expenditures or even the duty of dealing out portions of his property to his children or even to the community. So a steward was somebody who spent their time giving out to people in need things that belonged to the owner of the house or the owner of the estate. I mean, what a sweet job. Just giving out these wonderful things to people who need them. It's almost like when you see what he's saying and, and calling us to be stewards, it's like he's saying that we've been, we've been hired by God in a sense to be managers of a charitable trust. And we get to spend time looking for all these different places in the world that may need money and we basically just pass it right through. We get to get, take his money and give it to them, except it's, it's even better. It's with grace. That we get to take the grace of God and, and hand it to people in a variety of ways. It makes us a lot like a hose. I mean, think about it like a garden hose, right? Well, a garden hose, if, if I'm watering my lawn, then the water's coming from the house and it's just spraying out into my lawn. Then the hose is, what, what an opportunity for that hose. may not be sound super exciting, but if you think about it. We are something through which... God is delivering his grace to people through our gifts. People that need his grace, like our parched lawns, need the water. I mean, it's a tremendous, tremendous gift that he gives us, right? That we get to be used by him, that we get to be administering his grace, throwing it out to people in need. Like Hannah and I took our kids to the Martin Luther King Jr. Day parade in Oviedo a few weeks ago. It's a wonderful parade, and it was a great celebration. And uh, what was interesting, though, is as the floats go by, what happens? What are the kids like? Yeah. Candy, right? These people are going by on these floats, and there's all these quotes from Dr. King, and there's all these organizations uh, that are trying to continue to promote civil rights and equality and things like that. And, and, uh, and then, but people are sticking their hands in these buckets of candy and just throwing it out liberally. And our kids are just like, oh, oh, this is amazing. And they're putting it in their pockets and they're shoving it in their mouth. We're like, don't, you'll choke. And then they're taking Hannah's diaper bag and they're filling up the diaper bag with this candy. I mean, it was phenomenal. By the way, who knows of a really good dentist? You see these people on these floats and they're having a blast. Why? Well, they they get to give out what everybody wants. It's not theirs. But it was given to them to give out. And this is the picture of what the purpose is behind our spiritual gifts. That we would get to give out what everybody really wants, whether they realize it or not, the grace of God. 
through the gifts that God has given us. And so one of the things, one of our hopes uh, in this series is really that everybody in our church knows what their spiritual gift is and is fulfilling a role in the advance of the gospel. I mean, think about it. If each person, which is what Peter says, right? Each person, each of you has received a gift. If each person has received a gift, then each of us should really know what that gift is and understand the way in which God is administering his grace to people through those gifts. And so we're going to really hope and and even talk about ways that we can make sure everybody knows their gift. And we want to be having an intentional spiritual impact, right? That's a a phrase we want to use. How are we having an intentional spiritual impact? How are we taking God's grace and giving it to people through these gifts that he's given us. So each of us has a gift. Everybody. 100%. Uh, but also recognizing that there's such a variety of ways in which God administers his grace through his people. Look back again at verse 10 where it says, stewards of God's what? Varied grace. There's just such a variety of ways in which he does this in his people. And, you know, you might have actually taken a spiritual gifts test or inventory one time at your life and there's usually a list of like 15 or 16 possible gifts you have to pick one of those well one of the things that we want to recognize about the way the spiritual gifts are referred to in the scriptures is that those lists are probably not exhaustive they're probably exemplary they're examples of different types of spiritual gifts but they may not be the only ways in which god is administering his grace through his people the reason we would say that is because if you look in context when one of the writers is writing to a very broad audience like Peter is in his letter. The gifts are referred to in a very general way. Like notice he says in this passage, basically speaking and serving, right? Proclamation and demonstration as we would say it. But when Paul is writing to the Corinthians or to the Romans, then he gets more specific in these different gifts, right? And so we want to understand that Our gifts may be on that list of things that are explicitly mentioned in Scripture, but they also may not necessarily be explicitly mentioned. They would have to agree with Scripture, of course, but they may not be actually listed in Scripture. We want to celebrate that. We want to celebrate that there's there's a varied way, various ways that God administers his grace to his people through the gifts that he's generously given to them. I mean, we have a lot of people here. We, we uh, Gary was talking about it in the prayer. We have a lot of people that uh, that serve in parachurch ministries, and 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 their gifts are being used through those ministries in amazing ways. But we also have people who are working in the private sector, or the public sector, teachers, bus drivers, you name it. And God has given all of us gifts. He's given every single one of us ways that we can take His grace and give it to people. And so knowing that is very important. Whether we work at the parachurch or whether we work in a church or whether we work in the public or private sector, no matter what it is, God has given us gifts to use us. And we want everybody to enjoy those gifts, right? I mean, why would you want to make sure you know what is your gift and and that you're serving according to your gift? Well, because it's a gift. I mean, think about the word, right? It's a gift. And when we think about God's ultimate gift that he gave his one and only son to die on the cross, to pay for our sins, and that that we might have his righteousness by grace through faith, then we know that his gifts are good. And so we, we want everyone to know what their gift is and to be 
serving. And we'll talk about some ways how you might know what your gift is as we move through this series. My first question, though, for you is, do you know? Do you know your spiritual gift? So we'll come back to that. Now let's talk about gifts and ministry. Gifts and ministry. And this uh, is that we may be pushing a little bit against a normal understanding of spiritual gifts as we uh, proceed here. So uh, just bear with me on that. But let's talk about gifts and ministry again. Thinking about verse 10, Peter says, As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. And here's what I think it's important for us to understand. Although we normally talk about spiritual gifts as if they were special abilities that God has given to us, it's actually probably more biblically accurate to see our gifts as roles in ministry, a part in ministry that we play. So um, if that's a little shocking to your system and you want to read an entire book on it, Ken Birding wrote a book called What Are Spiritual Gifts? And it's really, really Excellent and compelling. And one of the things he says is according to the contextual evidence in the letters of Paul. So talking about the ways in which Paul uses that word gift, that Greek word charisma. According to the contextual evidence in the letters of Paul, the spiritual gifts should not be viewed as special abilities to do ministry. Rather, they should be viewed as the ministries themselves. Okay, again, that might be a little different than we are used to talking about when we talk about spiritual gifts. Um, Think about in 1 Peter 4.10, if you read it literally, it, you, would, you would subtract two words. Use it. Okay, listen to 1 Peter 4.10. Literally would, would be saying, you know, right out of the Greek, we would say, as each has received a gift to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Those words, use it, are put in by English translators to help that sentence flow better for us. The, the danger, though, is it may cause us to automatically think that that's that means that we have some sort of special ability that we've been given and we're supposed to use it. When really it might be just referring to a role or an assignment that God has given to us. Um, let's, let's look at a couple other places in Scripture so you understand what I'm, that I'm not crazy. Let's, let's put it that way. Um, basically, if you look at the way that the word charisma, the word for spiritual gift, is used in the New Testament, it's used in a variety of ways. It ultimately just literally means free Gift, something that is freely given. And so it definitely doesn't mean free gift in Romans 6.23 when Paul says, For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift or charisma of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. So the word clearly just means something freely given, right? But there are times when Paul uses the word and it appears that although he's talking about something that's a free gift, he's using it to refer to a role or an assignment that God has given to his people. Let me give you an example. Think about 1 Corinthians 7, 7. In 1 Corinthians 7, Apostle Paul is talking about marriage and he's also talking about being single. So he's talking to the married and he's talking to the unmarried. And in the process... He says in verse 7, I wish that all were as I myself am, that's single, but each has, each has his own gift from God, one of one kind and one of another. So there's that word, gift, charisma, right? And he says, but each has his own gift from God, one of one kind and one of another. Now again, he's talking about people who are married and he's talking about people who are unmarried. One has one gift and one has one of another. Now, in 
verse 17, a few verses later, after he's talked about singleness and marriage, then he says, only let each person lead the life that the Lord has assigned to him and to which God has called him. And so in context, it looks like he's using that word charisma, free gift, to refer to the role, the the life that has been assigned to someone, whether they are single or whether they are married. And, you know, sometimes we talk about the gift of singleness, but it actually might be more of just a calling, a role that God has for you. If you're single, it may not be that you have some special ability, which is why you may long to not be single. Some single people long not to be single. But you'd want to understand that as an assignment or a role for this time in your life, and you can trust him with that. What we don't say is, I have the gift of marriage. I'm awesome at it. You know what I mean? Like we, don't, we don't say that. If somebody does say that, you should probably tell me because I probably need to sit down with them and explain a few things, right? But the way Paul's using that word, it's just like there's some people, their assignment, their role is marriage and some is being single. So, okay, now you take that as an example and then you look also at 1 Timothy 4.14 where Paul is telling Timothy, he says, don't neglect the gift that you have, which was given you by prophecy when the council of the elders laid their hands on you. And again, the conventional view, our minds automatically go to, well, he's talking about the special ability that he received. Well, maybe it is, but scholars like Don Carson think that it's referring to his ministry role. So he says about it, the gift was the ministry to which Timothy was called. So when we're talking about our spiritual gifts, uh, it's, it's, it's not that some don't require special abilities. And we'll cover a few that you would imagine, yes, you're going to need some special abilities if you were going to have the gift of healing or of speaking in tongues or of interpreting or some of these things that we'll talk about as we move through the series. But... For the most part, it's important that we recognize that all of the gifts are spiritual gifts. They're given by the Holy Spirit. And no matter what ability is required, they're empowered by the Holy Spirit. But most of our gifts are probably a lot more ordinary than we realize. Why does this matter so much? It matters so much because it just further emphasizes the point that everybody has a role, whether you feel like you're gifted or not. Every single person fulfills a role. And I think what happens a lot of times in churches is you think, we sort of think that uh, Christianity is like a, like a football team. And there's the starting lineup, and then there's the people that sit on the bench. And as somebody who rode the pine for two years in eighth and ninth grade on the football team and got in one time for four seconds, I can tell you that if you think there's a bunch of starting lineup Christians and you're on the bench, there's just... Something's missing, right? You feel that. But the Bible says there is no starting lineup. The church is more like a play. I love, I love that we have so many students that are involved in theater uh, because we want to see Christians in every facet of culture, right? And we have a number of students. We've always had a, a high percentage of students that are involved in the arts, in theater. And so Hannah and I have been to many plays. And one of the things that we love is we flip over the program and we see we're like, we know that person, we know that person, we know that person, we know that person. And it's a lot of fun. But what's powerful about it is a few of them are on stage acting. 
Some of them are doing lighting. Some of them are doing sound. Some of them are doing some of the directing. Some of them designed the costumes. Some of them sewed the costumes. But what's powerful about the drama department at a high school is everybody does something. Everybody has a role. Whether you feel like you've got some Christian superhero gift or you just feel ordinary. God has roles for every single one of us. So far more than, 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 far more than we need to be spending time trying to figure out what is my gift, what is my special ability, what we really need to do is believe that each of you has received a gift. Every single one of us has a way in which God is giving us an opportunity to take his grace and give it to people who are in need. Every single one of us, which means that every single one of us matters tremendously and every single one of us can do things that are incredibly and eternally significant. That's the gift, part of the gift that God gives to us. So whether it's teaching Sunday school or playing on the worship team or teaching ESL or serving with the man in ministry or maybe it is working for a parachurch ministry or maybe it's going to seminary and being a pastor. Maybe it's going to the mission field. Whatever it is, here's what we need to understand. God gives some believers more than one ministry role, but he gives zero believers less than that. Let me say that again. God gives some believers more than one ministry role, but he gives zero believers less than that. You have a gift. You have a way in which you are able to take God's grace, his real grace, and give it to others. And if you don't feel like you've got sort of these gifts or whatever, you feel kind of ordinary, that's good news. Because all through the Bible, God uses people who feel inadequate. I was just reading on the reading plan this morning in Exodus 4. What happens in Exodus 4? God says to Moses, he wants him to go and speak. And Moses says, but I don't, I don't, I don't talk so good, God. That's a paraphrase. But he says, I can't, I'm not, I don't, I can't, I'm not a, I don't, I'm not eloquent is what he says. And God says, well, who made your mouth, Moses? So, you have a part. You have a role to play. And we want you to know it, and we want you to be living it out, taking God's grace and liberally throwing it out to this dying world so thirsty for the grace of God and doesn't even realize it. And the best part is, like, if you don't know what your role is and you and you begin to understand through this series or if you do know what your role is the best part of all of this is that when we serve he is the one who gives us the words that we would say and the strength we need to do the things that we would do and that's the last point let's talk about gifts and glory gifts and glory here's what peter says whoever speaks Speak as one who speaks the oracles of God. Uh, Whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies. In order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. I mean, think about that. That's what, what he's saying is when we serve, God is glorified. When we operate in these gifts, God is glorified. I'm going to tell you why in a second here, but if you're not serving right now, if you don't have a regular role of administering God's grace to others, let that be the incentive that you would do something that's internally significant because it brings glory to God. 
Now, since a lot of us, maybe the majority of us, do know what our gifts are and we are serving accordingly. I want you to think about what Peter is saying here. How is it that you're glorifying God? It's actually not in the amount of people you minister to or the global impact you have or the entire ministries you run. It's in your utter dependence on God. This is what Peter's saying. He's saying that if we are serving, we are glorifying God because we are simply speaking his words and we are serving out of the strength that only he can give. Isn't that sweet? What that means is whether you're ministering to 100,000 people or having an intentional spiritual impact with one, you glorify God the same in the way that you depend on his words and his strength. His words, which Isaiah says in Isaiah 55, never go out from him and return to him empty, but always accomplish the purpose for which he sends it. His word is always successful. His word. His word, which Paul says in 2 Timothy 3, is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching and reproof and correction and training in righteousness so that we can be complete. His word, which Jesus said in Matthew 24, will never pass away. Or the author of Hebrews said, is, is, is sharper than a, an a, any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit, of joints and marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. His word, which Psalm 19 tells us, is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. His word that Peter says are the only words of eternal life. His word that Jesus said in John 17 sanctifies people because his word is true. His word, which John tells us in John chapter 1, not only tells us about God, but actually the word of God became flesh and dwelt among us. That's the word that we depend on. The one who became one of us so he could die and pay for our sins and rise again for our justification. That's the word we depend on. And when we get his word out there, he's glorified because we are depending on him. Strength as well. We depend on his strength that he provides. So whatever we do, he gets the glory, his strength. Paul says in Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Isaiah 41.10, fear not, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will hold, uphold you with my righteous right hand. Exodus 15.2, Moses sings, the Lord is my strength and my song. Psalm 29.11, may the Lord give strength to his people. First Timothy 1.12, I thank him who has given me strength. Christ Jesus, our Lord. You see it? We glorify God as we depend on his words and the, and the strength that only he can provide. As we use our gifts, as we fulfill our roles, whether we are doing things that impact hundreds of thousands or whether we have a spiritual impact with one little heart, we are speaking the words God has given and operating out of the strength he has provided all because of his greatest gift, his son who he so generously gave to pay for our sins and give us his righteousness so that we could be reconciled to him for all eternity. And when we serve, we glorify God through Jesus Christ because we point to the source of the truth as well as the source of the strength that we have as we try to do the things that God has lined up for us. I mean, how amazing is that? What, kind of, what, what could be a better gift than that? He wants us to know what it's like to be him in a sense. 
We wouldn't be able to offer anybody grace had we not received it from him. But when we have it from him, we're able to offer it. Listen to this. Roger Clemens, Hall of Fame pitcher. Um, In 1986, was in the World Series, second game. He went up to bat for his very first time. He'd been in the major leagues for quite a while, but it was the very first time that he'd ever gone to bat because he'd always used a designated hitter ever since high school. So the second game of the World Series in 1986, Roger Clemens steps up to the plate in the major leagues for the very first time. And the pitcher, Dwight Gooden. Okay, baseball fans are like, oh. Okay, Dwight Gooden's one of the best pitchers of all time as well. So Dwight Gooden winds up and gives to his fellow pitcher, Roger Clemens, the old number one, the hardest, fastest fastball you've ever seen, and it just goes, whoom, and slams like a truck into Gary Carter's love, the catcher. His glove. Roger Clemens stepped back, steps back and he goes, whoa. And he says to the catcher, is that what my pitches are like? And Carter says, yes, Roger. Yeah. And it just blew him away. Because the entire time in his time in the major leagues, he was only on the giving side. He'd never actually received a pitch you've never seen what it's like and listen to this when we talk about grace we are on the receiving end right every moment of our lives and when god gives us these spiritual gifts it's because he wants us to get a taste of the giving side he wants us to experience what it's like to be him to give grace to others what could be a more sweet sweet gift than to know that not only has he given grace to us in and through the finished work of Christ, but then he calls us to get up on the mound and know what it's like to pitch. Look, we want to know where we're at as a church. Would you open your bulletin and just pull out this card? Uh, It has the logo of the sermon series on it, and it says, rate yourself on the following statements using the scale below. Number one, it says, I know the ministry role or roles God has given to me. And then there's a scale, you circle a number. And then there's, I am serving in the ministry role or roles God has given to me. And you circle a number there. And what I want to ask you to do is just circle that. It's totally, you don't have to put your name on it. Um, if you do, and you circle six on both, uh, I'll, we'll, I'll have to call you. We'll have to talk about that. But either way, um, the, the, uh, just fill that out, turn it over, and then send it to the window side of your row. And our ushers are going to come and pick these up. What this is is a little diagnostic tool so that we know where we're at as we continue to get a deeper understanding of how generous God is, not only in giving us his son, but giving us the pitcher's mound. So pass those over. Let me pray. Father, we uh, humbly want to ask you to help everyone in our church know that everyone has a role, everyone has a part in ministry. And would you uh, give us the ability we need for those things? Would you also give us the courage for those things? Would you take those who know their gifts and help them to encourage those who don't? Would you take those who don't and give them a sweet, sweet picture of, of the pitcher's mound and get them up there, Lord, and help them to experience this incredible reality of being not only receivers of grace from you, but givers of your grace to others. And would you just... Would you give buckets and buckets and buckets, oceans and oceans of grace to the world through our people so that in all things God may be glorified through Jesus Christ? We pray in his name.
Amen.